1: We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, what's happening, everybody? We are getting ready for the San Jose Sharks to take on the Vancouver Canucks tonight at 7.30 right here on the Sharks Audio Network. Pre-game coverage starts live with Dan Rusinowski at 7 o'clock tonight, so keep it right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And for San Jose, uh, some of the news we've had recently on the injury front has not been great. Alexander Barabanov, the latest is that he's going to be out up to six weeks. That four to six week range was put out there. Also, we learned that Logan Couture had another setback. So that's one to be concerned about. I mean, The San Jose Sharks, they are not the same team without Logan Couture as they would be without him on the ice. I I think that goes without saying. It's not just his play. It's also his mindset. It's also his overall ability. But, you know, right now the Sharks are back from a road trip. It's not like they were getting blown out in all those games. They were there in winnable games in multiples. So I, I would expect the Sharks to have another opportunity. To play some very good hockey tonight, even though Vancouver, I have not seen them as world beaters, but they are playing great hockey to start off the year. All, we all know that the narrative changes throughout the year, so even though I didn't have them as great at the start of that, they were going to be on the bubble. They've been proving me wrong up to this point. Will they prove me wrong over the entirety of the season? That's yet to be seen, and it's an interesting question and one that I want to have answered because it is... It's very interesting to see what a team starts out as, what a team turns into. I mean, right now, we don't have to look any further than what we've seen so far out of Edmonton as well as Calgary. Those are two teams that I don't think anyone saw starting as poorly as they did. Um, Anaheim's off to a good start. L.A. is kind of where I expected them to be. You know, the Kraken, they were very hot in year number two of their existence, and maybe now they're coming back down to earth and not catching as many breaks as they did. We all know all these teams are fighting with all they can. We all know they're putting out great performances. I am never, ever, in any way, shape, or form, going to doubt any of that. But the point is, it's the start of the year. Hot starts, cold starts, mid-starts, it's all relatively meaningless right now unless the narrative continues. Only when you get to, like, December and January can you say, ah, that pointed out who they really were. Not to bring up any bad memories, but we don't have to go further back than St. Louis a couple years ago is where they started off their year and where they ended up as Stanley Cup champions. That is indicative of what happened. Or we look last year at the Boston Bruins. They were the best team all year long, had the best regular season ever, even though they were cooler in the second half. And Edmonton, I believe, had the best second half uh, schedule or best record in the second half. But that's not how it ended up. Boston was one and done in the playoffs. They didn't make it out of the first round. So, yes, they were very good up until the point when they were put to the ultimate acid test of war, that being the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's not where it ended for them. So, again, my point is, for all of these teams, including the Sharks, until this is their narrative for the year, it is a cold start, and just as for Vancouver, until this is their narrative for the year, it is just a hot start, so we'll have to see where it goes. But, obviously, Vancouver playing some high, high high-level hockey right now, to talk more about that, we are now joined by the radio play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. It is Brendan Batchelor. Mr. Bachelor. what's going on, man? How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Good to chat with you today.
1: Always a pleasure, man. And, you know, I, I was looking at the uh, the opposite ends of the spectrum when comparing where Vancouver and San Jose are respectively right now. I think I have to go to the seventh highest point total from a player on Vancouver to go to where the leader in point total is for the Sharks right now. I mean, it just seems like everything is clicking for the Canucks.
0: It certainly has been a tremendous start to the year. And it was important for them to have a strong start to the year. If you remember, they began last season 05 and 2 with seven consecutive losses. So Canuck fans, I think, are probably uh, familiar with some of the feelings that Sharks fans might be going through right now in terms of how much they struggled out of the gate last year. And it really cost them the season. They were playing catch-up the whole way and even though they played better hockey after the coaching change was made when Rick Tockett came in, it was too little, too late. So it's been a refreshing change to see this team get out to a good start on the right foot and do it playing some pretty good hockey that looks like it might be sustainable for them going forward as well.
1: Low-hanging fruit question, why is it all working so well?
0: Well, I, I think the immediate thing I jump to is the Canucks' top players have all been very good to start the season Elias patterson was just named the second star in the nhl for the month of october he's got 16 points from nine games jt miller has been centering a line with phil d giuseppe and brock besser that's been incredibly successful though got those guys are playing some really good hockey quinn hughes who was named the the team's captain coming into the season seems to have taken his game to another level and they've got great goaltending from both thatcher demko and casey DeSmith in the crease so when you get good performances from your top players that's going to allow you to have success but i think the most encouraging thing in terms of the way the canucks are playing is that they're defending much more effectively Mm -hmm. than we've seen from them in recent years and you know you can look back to the last couple of years this was a team that had no problem generating offense but would give up way too much and so they'd lose high scoring games all the time uh, with some of the additions they've made on the back end, in particular in the off season, and some of the things that Rick Tocchet has implemented in terms of their game plan, they're much more stingy in their own zone. They don't give up the same number of quality scoring chances they don't give up very many odd man rushes as opposed to what we've seen from them in the last few years which is that odd man rushes against them were uh, something we saw on the regular so um, your top players produce that's always going to help but the fact that they're playing well in their own zone and limiting their opponents has given them a chance to have this early season success
1: looking at Quinn Hughes up to this point of the year he's got three goals eight assists 11 points he's also plus 11 I mean that just tells me it's indicative of how good they are when he's out there on the ice.
0: Yeah, up until the Canucks' uh, home game against Nashville on Tuesday, their last game, which they won 5-2, to two, Quinn Hughes and his defense partner, Philip Hronick, had not been on the ice for an even-strength goal against oh, together. Wow. And that was the ninth game of the season. Now, there were two even-strength goals against them in the first period of that game against nashville and hughes sort of joked after the game look we weren't going to go the whole season without anybody scoring on us when we were on the ice but hughes and Horonic, in particular have been stalwart defensively they're both averaging around 25 minutes a game they're playing the wheels off them right now and you can understand why because they've been incredibly effective incredibly successful and they're doing it Together as well, so um, that's helped Hughes. I think he looks more confident offensively in terms of jumping up into the play and trying to create offense. And it's clear that the Canucks usually dictate the play and control possession and and shot share and all of those sorts of things when Hughes and Horonic are on the ice. So they've both had a tremendous start to the year, and it's another big reason why the Canucks have had a good start to the year as well.
1: Yeah. Andre Kuzmenko, another one, and I look at you know his year. Last year was quality. Um, obviously, he almost hit that uh, that 40 goal mark, and it seems like he's picked up right where he's left off.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing for Kuzmenko is going to be what that looks like sustainably in terms of offense for him this year. He sh- uh, had a 27.3 shooting percentage last year so you know one of every three shots nearly that he was firing on goal was going in the net it's reasonable to expect that to take a dip this year just because i don't think it's possible for any player in the nhl to sustain a near 30 percent shooting percentage um so the thing that that kuzmenko has sort of talked about focusing on is more shot volume if you're not going to score as often as you did last year you need to take more shots to allow yourself to have more success and look he's had a good start to the year seven points through nine games I don't think we've seen the best of Andre Kuzmenko yet which is another exciting thing for Canuck fans but um, you know he's a player that I think will have an interesting season because it's his second year in the league teams will have more of a book on him and what he's capable of doing the shooting percentage is likely to come down And we'll see how he fights through some of that stuff and whether he can still be a major contributor for the Canucks. He's always going to have a chance to produce offense because he's playing on the line with Pedersen and his fellow countryman, Ilya Mikheyev. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever you're playing with Pedersen, you're going to have a chance to produce offense. So, uh, you know, he'll have a good season, but I'll be interested to see where the point totals are at the end of the year, as opposed to 39 goals and 74 points in his first year in the league last season.
1: It's been interesting for me to watch Rick Tockett in some of the postgame pressers and some of the other things that he's he's done because he's he's been very reserved about the success. And it's interesting because we all know from his TV tenure, he is such a dynamic personality, but he's, he's kind of playing it low-key.
0: Yeah, you know, he expects a lot from this group. And in spite of the fact that they've had this tremendous start to the year, uh, he doesn't want them to get complacent. He doesn't want them to, you know, the line he's used a lot lately is get fat and happy in the sense of, um, you know, we're winning games. We think we're a great team now. We don't have to put in the work maybe as much as we were, or we can let our foot off the gas pedal. Um, This is a team that can't afford to do that. So as much as they've played well, I think uh, Talkett has been very muted with his praise Mm -hmm. while also pointing out that you know there are areas that they need to be better. You know, perfect example, they beat Nashville 5 to 2 on Tuesday night on home ice. Elias Petterson scores a hat trick, and after the game he talks about, you know, they weren't playing to their identity and they didn't manage the puck well enough. And when I asked him about Pedersen specifically and the hat trick that he scored, he said, "Yeah, but you know, he turned over the puck a lot as well." So, he wants to make sure that these guys still understand that there's a, a baseline that they have to meet if they want to have long-term success and he's holding them accountable and accountability has been another big word that, that talk has used since coming in as the head coach. Mm-hmm. And we saw it the other night against Nashville when he benched JT Miller for a five minute stretch in the second period, because he'd taken some undisciplined penalties and Miller's been arguably the best Canuck to start the year. So uh, talk, it comes in, he has a high standard. He's expecting these players to meet it. You know, he's holding them accountable. But at the same time, with the way Rick Tockett does it, it doesn't come off as negative. It doesn't come off as cruel or mean-spirited. He's just an honest guy expecting a lot from his players, and thus far, to this point in the season anyway, they've delivered with six wins from nine games.
1: We saw the bump a year ago when he took over. Is this a continuation of what he was doing in the second half of that season, or is it more of just him refining what he did? Like, what are you seeing from their play? Because I just... I feel like they they are overwhelming the opposition, even though they were better last year. It it wasn't quite like this to my eye, but you obviously have a much more intimate view.
0: No, I agree completely. And, you know, talking to some of the players, they say that Tockett's stretch coming in in late January until the end of last season was important because it allowed him to come in. And as I talked about, set the expectation so You know, communicate to the players what was going to be expected of them going into this year. You know, we heard him say in in media availabilities throughout last season that, you know, there were certain players that weren't in good enough shape that needed to have a big summer. And these were the kind of things that he was sort of hammering home with this group going into the offseason. He also talked about wanting the players to come back to Vancouver earlier so they could skate with each other ahead of training camp. And for the most part, we saw guys back two weeks earlier than they would have been in vancouver uh, in other years so his message got through he got buy-in from the group and i think part of the way we're seeing them play now is the fact that he had the the opportunity to have a full training camp and a preseason to work with mm-hmm. them on the way he wants them to play to get that understanding from them to get that conditioning level to where he expects it to now where you know they're aggressive on the forecheck, they're really stingy in the neutral zone, which to me is the biggest difference in terms of the way that they play. We saw too many teams be able to attack off the rush with speed last year because the Canucks were basically letting them skate through the neutral zone uncontested or weren't doing a good enough job of limiting teams' ability to transition the puck that's no longer the case. So the offense for opponents isn't there as much off the rush, and then their in-zone defending has been drastically improved too. So uh, it's been a lot harder for opposing teams to create opportunities and find offense against the Canucks, and that's something that is going to be important for them going forward, even though they have a goaltender like Thatcher Demko, who when he's healthy and rolling is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, they don't want to have to rely on him to make 40 saves a night in order for them to win, which is what we've seen from them at times over the past couple of years. And if they can remain consistent with the way they've played in their own zone and in the neutral zone in particular, then that gives them a platform to build off of to have more success going forward this season.
1: What has he had to say or what has the team had to say about going up against a team like San Jose tonight, a team who is going to be desperate to get their first win of the year? Because I know that for teams that are playing well, for coaches in particular, nights like these can be their their worst nightmare because they feel like they're just going to be able to steamroll. And then sometimes when there's opposition from a team like the Sharks that's not had the results up to this point, it kind of throws things off kilter.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Rick Talkett is even more on top of his guys going into a game against San Jose tonight. The Canucks' worst performance of the year thus far was in Philadelphia against the Flyers in a game where they were heavily favored. And people, at least at the start of the year, weren't expecting a lot of the Flyers, although I think they've had a much better start than most people in hockey would have expected. But the Canucks came out and had an absolute dud of a performance in that game, and this is a team that we have seen quote-unquote play down to its opposition in past years so Talkett has talked about the fact that they have to respect every opponent that you know they can't afford to take it easy on any night in the nhl and especially going up against a sharks team that may not be as skilled as it has been in years past but you're right is going to be desperate to try and get the two points for the first time this year the canucks can't afford to have an off night they can't afford to, you know, go through the motions because the Sharks will be able to make them pay just like any other team in the NHL can make you pay if you're not ready to go.
1: Now, I've told you before that uh, I've got a couple of good friends who are big Canucks fans, one who lives in. West Vancouver, who uh, texts me a lot during games and he's very excited, but he's also expressed many times that he's worried about the other shoe dropping. Is there from the fan base that you've tuned into? Is there maybe a little hesitance to buy in right now? Just because, listen, I mean, Canucks fans have big time expectations. This is in line with it, but it's also a departure from what we've seen in recent history. I mean, they're they're playing exceptionally well.
0: Uh, The Canucks have had so many things go against them in their 50-plus year history that fans in Vancouver are always expecting to be hurt again, (laughs) is the way I would uh, describe it. So, yes, they've had a tremendous start. Uh, It looks like the way they're playing could be sustainable for them over the long term going forward this season – but we've seen in past years things like this happen and then the Canucks fall off mm-hmm. or have key injuries or, or certain things happen and it doesn't end up the way that people expected it. So the way I would describe the mood in Vancouver right now is cautious optimism. Uh, you know, I think it's with every passing game becoming less cautious and, and more convinced that the way this team's playing might be just the team that they are this season. But there's always going to be that caution from Canuck fans. Because when you've had 50 plus years in the league, you haven't won a Stanley Cup and you had so many things, you know, go wrong against this team in a variety of different ways. There's always an expectation that the other shoe is going to drop at some point, And it's up to this group of players to make sure that that doesn't happen.
1: Mr. Bachelor, always love chatting it up with you. Have a great call tonight and we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Again, that is Brennan Batchelor, the radio play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. The Canucks in their 6-2-1 record, currently second place in the Pacific, behind only Vegas, who are picking up right where they left off, 9-0-1 to start the year, 19 points, 6 points in front of Vancouver, 7 in front of L.A. and Anaheim, 11 in front of the Kraken, 14 in front of Edmonton and Calgary, and 18 in front of in front of the San Jose Sharks. And I was at practice yesterday. I did not see any wallowing. I did not see slumped shoulders. I saw a team that was working hard and ready to get their first win of the season. I think that uh, tomorrow morning, you'll be able to hear from that. We're going to talk to Mario Ferraro. I got an interview with him yesterday uh, to get um, everything kind of set in place for this upcoming game against Vancouver. But ultimately, you know, this is where the Sharks have to be. They have to go through this together together. If they want to go through and come out clean on the other side, they're going to have to go through the losses together. I think that they all got to know each other better on the road trip and they expressed as much. And I'm excited to see what the Sharks do from here. Yes, it's been hard up to this point of the season. It's not been fun, but all it takes is one win. I go back to the great John Madden line. Winning is the great deodorant. Conversely, when you have a bad record, everything stinks, everything starts to unravel, and everything falls apart. I don't feel many blanket statements apply in sports across the board, but yeah, I think Madden's right. You know, when you're losing, it stinks. When you win, it covers up the stink. So hopefully the Sharks can find that first win of the year and give the fans at SAP Center something to cheer about. And uh, a couple of guys that I talked to yesterday said specifically that they wanted to give the fans at SAP Center something to cheer to smile about, something to cheer about, something to go home with a good feeling. So hopefully that will be the case tonight as the Sharks take on Vancouver, 7 o'clock pregame live here on the Sharks Audio Network, 7.30 go time as San Jose and Vancouver do battle. That wraps it up for this edition of The Buildup. I will be back with you tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock On Morning Tide, presented by Coors Light. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app, presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.